that concerns my own conscience only, sufficeth it to say, I have fully satisfied the parties in whose custody they were, and, by this time, I hope I have also satisfied you in such ways that the last hand may be put to our agreement, and the work proceed with all convenient expedition, in which hope I rest, respected sir, your very humble servant, Jonathan Dustwich. P.S. I propose, Deo Volente, to have the pleasure of seeing you in the great city towards all Hallowtide, when I shall be glad to treat with you concerning a parcel of manuscript sermons of a certain clergyman deceased, a cake of the right leaven for the present taste of the public, verbum sapiente, etc. J.D. To the Reverend Mr. Jonathan Dustwich, at Sir, I received yours in course of post, and shall be glad to treat with you for the manuscript, which I have delivered to your friend Mr. Ben, but can by no means comply with the terms proposed. Those things are so uncertain. Writing is all a lottery. I have been a loser by the works of the greatest men of the age— I could mention particulars and name names, but don't choose it. The taste of the town is so changeable. Then there have been so many letters upon travels lately published, what between Smollett's, Sharp's, Derrick's, Thicknesses, Baltimore's, and Barretti's, together with Shandy's sentimental travels, the public seems to be cloyed with that kind of entertainment. Nevertheless, I will, if you please, run the risk of printing and publishing, and you shall have half the profits of the impression. You need not take the trouble to bring up your sermons on my account. Nobody reads sermons but Methodists and dissenters. Besides, for my own part, I am quite a stranger to that sort of reading, and the two persons whose judgment I depended upon in these matters are out of the way. One is gone abroad— carpenter of a man of war, and the other has been silly enough to abscond in order to avoid a prosecution for blasphemy. I'm a great loser by his going off. He has left a manual of devotion half-finished on my hands, after having received money for the whole copy. He was the soundest divine, and had the most orthodox pen of all my people— and I never knew his judgment fail but in flying from his bread and butter on this occasion. By owning you was not put in bodily fear by Lismahago, you preclude yourself from the benefit of a good plea, over and above the advantage of binding him over. In the late war, I inserted in my evening paper a paragraph that came by the post, reflecting upon the behaviour of a certain regiment in battle. An officer of said regiment came to my shop, and, in the presence of my wife and journeyman, threatened to cut off my ears. As I exhibited marks of bodily fear, more ways than one, to the conviction of the bystanders, I bound him over. My action lay, and I recovered. As for flagellation, you have nothing to fear, and nothing to hope on that head— there has been but one printer flogged at the cart's tail these thirty years. That was Charles Watson, and he assured me it was no more than a flea-bite. C.S. has been threatened several times by the house of L., but it came to nothing. 
If an information should be moved for and granted against you, as the editor of those letters, I hope you will have honesty and wit enough to appear and take your trial. If you should be sentenced to the pillory, your fortune is made. As times go, that's a sure step to honour and preferment. I shall think myself happy if I can lend you a lift, and am, very sincerely, yours, Henry Davis. London, August 10th. Please my kind service to your neighbour, my cousin Madoc. I have sent an almanac and court calendar directed for him at Mr. Sutton's, bookseller in Gloucester, carriage paid, which he will be pleased to accept as a small token of my regard. My wife, who is very fond of toasted cheese, presents her compliments to him, and begs to know if there's any of that kind which you were so good as to send us last Christmas to be sold in...